seven million ounces have been moved from storage to registered for sale, meaning from eligible to registered in the JP Morgan vault over the last two days. Well, hello there, my friends. I have an exciting silver report for all you guys this week. This is Rafi, the Endgame Investor, of course. And though it might not look like it from the price action, which is boring and a little bit depressing, and it's making us all very sad for now. But, you know, those are emotions. You just let them go and let them go through you. And that is the art of trading and investing. But there is something big going on in the vaults. JP Morgan is making some big moves, and we're going to get to that in this week's Silver Report. So what exactly are we going to get to? Well, 7 million ounces have been moved from storage to registered for sale, meaning from eligible to registered in the JP Morgan vault over the last two days. I'm going to share with you the open interest long-term picture and why it shows that we are still in a bull market and one that is going to be way more intense than the bull market between 2000 and 2011. We are at a near 10-year low in open interest in silver, which means technically that it'll be very difficult for the price to go any lower from here substantially. It could hang around here for a while, but much lower than this, chances are low. Of course, anything is possible, but if you are still stacking and accumulating, now is a good time to add to your stacks. We're going to look at rhodium, the crystal meth of precious metals that I don't recommend buying, but it does show something about what's going on because it's like an electron microscope to the precious metals market and the moves are intense. And in the money situation, the monetary dollar supply situation, we have deflated about $1 trillion from April of 2022, believe it or not. And I try to measure the fuse as to how much longer we have before the next financial crisis, which will lead to what I believe will be the final pivot and the return of gold and silver as money as the dollar collapses. And we'll go into a short commentary. If you happen to be in Israel, which I do, why you should buy silver now, because we are on the verge of a political crisis. This silver report is brought to you by FSM Fortuna Silver Mines, a stock which I do own and do your own due diligence, of course. But on the technical side here, there isn't new news coming out until March 15th when they will report their earnings and we will go into that then. But we are at the 50-week moving average here at 333 exactly. Uh, 324 is 50-week moving average. So we're right on that line and we're testing it as support for the first time since uh, let's see, silver squeeze, basically. Now, if the 50-week moving average can be maintained as support, that would be a very bullish sign. I believe it can, or it could possibly break slightly below to shake off the final longs, but I don't think any decline here will be substantial either in price or in time. But anyway, on with this week's silver report. Starting with the big news what has happened in the last two days, and I don't know what's going to happen on Friday or even today, Thursday, and JP Morgan could still be at it for all I know, but you know we'll report on that next week. So over the last two days, JP Morgan has moved about 7 million ounces from the eligible category to registered. You can see here. Here is the activity report for February 28th. You can see here that they moved. 3,436,925.71 ounces from the eligible category over here to the registered category up here. Registered means for sale against futures contracts. Eligible means just storage, 
not for sale. And that was doubled, more than doubled, by the move from March 1st or the activity. Really, it's a day, it's a day lag, but whatever, you get the point. Uh, JP Morgan moved another 3.586897.906 million ounces from eligible to registered. So they're moving 7 million ounces. The registered supply from the JP Morgan vault from 10.7 million to 17.7 million, just over 7 million ounces. The last time they did something like this was in July 2020 when they moved 40, I think it was 40 million ounces from eligible to registered to supply the record deliveries that month from in July 2020. But now you could say, well, JP Morgan has, you know, let's see here, it says 129.9, basically 130 million more eligible uh, ounces in storage that it could keep supplying the silver market with. But that's not really true because if you look down at this table here that I screenshotted, from the SLV ETF as of March 2nd, 2023, which is uh, Thursday. You have here 103 million ounces that belongs to SLV and the JP Morgan New York vault, which is the same vault as this. So they have 129.9 million. 103 million of that is SLVs. So, you know, JP Morgan can't really sell that. Well, who knows what they might try, whatever, but I'm not making that argument here. So really they have about uh, 26 million, 25 million, something like that ounces left. And we don't know how much of that is privately owned. So JP Morgan is running low on eligible silver to supply the futures market with. Now the question is, why are they moving so much ounces into the registered category specifically now? We don't know, but it could be that they are short a lot of contracts and need to cover them, and they're expecting a big delivery month ahead. Now, I wanted to look at a long-term picture of open interest versus the silver price. And now we have four distinctive periods here separated by two financial crises. The financial crises, plural of crisis, you can see here in 2008, 2009, that is when the silver price deflated along with everything else from the high of about 21.50 in March 2008 to a low of whatever it was, I think $10 or whatever it was, I don't know, uh, in the, the, the financial crisis depths of late 2008. Uh, the other financial crisis was here during the lockdowns of 2020, and that was when uh, gold, uh, silver uh, crashed from about, again, $21 or so to about uh, 11 or so. Anyway, these are two dividing times. So you have here on the bottom open interest, the amount of contracts that are open in the silver market versus the silver price. So from 2000 to 2008, you had a rising open interest and a rising silver price. That suggests that the action is being driven by the paper markets because the higher the open interest, the more contracts that are open, people are buying more paper contracts, right? The silver derivatives, the price goes higher. Okay, so that's the silver market, but mostly focused on paper. And then you have a financial crisis where the, uh, or deflation and people need to pay their debts, they need dollars, so they're selling everything they can to get dollars and the silver price goes way down and so does the open interest, the contracts go, all the inflationary, you know, contracts, uh, collapsed here. And you can see here, this really spike up in open interest that suggested that we were at the peak of a speculative uh, period in silver here. And then it just deflated during the financial crisis into, two, into late 2008. Now we reset. It's the same uh, sort of paper driven bull market, except it's much more extreme. Here's the price 
going from about $10 to the high of 50 when silver quintupled from 2008 to 2011. We all remember that, assuming we were alive. And if you weren't, then you must be like 12 years old, which is really cool if you're a really young silver stacker. I'm glad you're here. And so open interest was still rising along with the price. And then we go into a bear market where we have basically uh, higher open interest in silver and there's more and more speculation in silver. You see the bars going up and up and up, trending higher here. And the price just keeps going lower and lower and lower and lower. You could call this uh, the silver derivatives manipulating the price. You could call it just a bear market. Whatever you want to call it, that's what happened. It wasn't good. Uh, and then what happened? You had another financial crisis. And now what's happening is unlike what has been happening here in this bull market or here in this uh, mega bull market here after 2008 and 2011, but this is different. You have a trending higher price, and yes, it is trending higher from the 2020 financial crisis lockdown money printing madness. You have falling open interest, and despite the falling open interest trending down since 2020, you have a rising silver price. And yes, it doesn't feel like it now, but we're still trending higher from 2020. So despite falling open interest, you have a higher silver price, which means, first of all, the paper price, the paper markets are not leading the price here. They're either following it or maybe contributing a little bit, but we have a, a situation here where despite lack of interest in the paper markets, you have a rising price. And that means when the speculative fervor starts, it's going to really explode. And the fact that silver can trend higher, even though open interest has trended down from about 200,000 contracts to about 124 over the past three years, it's pretty impressive if you just zoom out and consider that. And so what is driving the price higher? I think it's the physical demand. So anyway, if we zoom in here, we see the open interest in silver. Right now we're at 123.9 or 124,000, something like that. Uh, this is basically a low that we haven't seen since 2013. I don't think it can go much lower from here, which means the price is should be fairly stable at these levels. Could go a little bit lower, but not much. Now, anyway, I said we were going to look at rhodium. Why are we looking at rhodium? Because rhodium is a very extreme metal. The swings are intense and insane. I do not recommend investing or buying any rhodium unless you're just, you know, you want one of those little rhodium dime things just to have it. You know, it's expensive, but it could be fun. <laughs> and we are at uh, the what looks like final level of support for rhodium prices. And when rhodium prices collapse, that does tend to port, tend to uh, predict a financial crisis. We saw here when rhodium went with usually this rhodium exchange traded uh, whatever ETC. I don't know what that means technically, but it's a, a fund that tracks rhodium. Uh, it went from about a thousand to uh, whatever two hundred and fifty or something. It, it crashed by seventy five percent, crazy like that. Uh, and, um, yeah, we've done pretty poorly in rhodium and it looks like we're at the last support here. And if it, uh, snaps, you could see another 2020 type of class, which would definitely be hinting at a financial crisis at the door actually happening. Anyway, the fundamental reason why we would see crashing rhodium prices is that we have been through an intense wave of deflation since April, 2022. This is the actual money supply. This peak here is about 22, just over 22 trillion, like 22.1 trillion or so, 22.05 trillion. And here the the, the trough is at 21.05 trillion. So this, uh, this deflation in the money supply, we've lost a trillion dollars of the money supply in uh, less than a year. This is the most intense deflation that they, uh, they've ever seen in the dollar supply. And, what about why haven't we seen that financial crisis yet? What is the deal? Okay. 
So I don't have a perfect answer to this question, but what I can tell you is that if you put a trend line under the money supply growth rate from, it goes back even to 2008. I didn't want to stretch the trot out so much here, but you bet the, the line here, this is the tangent line, the trend line. And how do we continue on that path without the uh, lockdown printing madness? Let's say the virus never happened and none of that ever happened and we don't have that nightmare. Then what is the difference between the money supply now and what it would have been around? So it's about $4 trillion. Now you could say, oh, it's going to take so long to suck up that extra $4 trillion. And that extra $4 trillion could be what is keeping the system afloat and keeping the next crisis at bay. However, the point I need to make here is that it's not going to take another 10 years or anything close to that to suck up a $4 trillion auxiliary tank of dollars that are keeping the system afloat. Because when you have a low interest rate environment, the demand for dollars is very, very low. First of all, because the interest payments on existing debt are very is very, very low because interest rates are so low, so you don't have to pay back much. And the second reason is it's so easy to raise money in a low interest rate environment or an easy credit environment that you can just do it at the last minute and service your debts and roll them over or whatever. So you don't need a reserve of dollars in your bank account to stay solvent to roll over your debts continually. However, when there's higher interest rates, first of all, the servicing, the debt servicing costs are much higher, so you need more dollars in the tank. And secondly, you can't rely on last minute financing to just get a whole bunch of dollars that you need at the last minute to refinance your debts because interest rates are higher, which means credit is harder to get and you don't want to play chicken with that. So that means that the demand for holding dollars as reserves is much higher in a higher interest rate environment, which is what we are in, which itself is what contributes to prices going lower because if people need dollars as a reserve to finance their future debts, then that is less money that is used in the consumer markets to buy goods and services and is held in reserve. That's how higher interest rates help combat what they call inflation, really rising prices. Except on the other side, of course, you have bank balance sheets, which are stuffed with bonds, which are losing value. And then you have a banking crisis and then the Fed has to print again, which is the final crisis, which is coming. We just don't know exactly when. My point is that the $4 trillion tank is being used up by higher interest rates. I don't know how much is left in that tank, but it can't be much. Now, I just wanted to go into this interesting little article you may not know about what's happening in Israel and is it relevant for silver? Well, for people who live here, you should probably get your silver now because uh, not some maybe nothing will happen of this, but there is something going on here that most people don't know about. This uh, article was written by Jason Gewertz. He sounds Jewish to me. Uh, and the title is Major Fears Are Sweeping Into Israel's Economy. Here are the bullet points. Investors increasingly worry that ratings agencies will cut Israel due to a serious political crisis. Massive protests have intensified as Israel's parliament, the Knesset, moves closer to creating a law that would change the way the country's judicial system operates. Israeli Finance Ministry Chief Economist Shira Greenberg wrote that credit rating agencies are likely to react to these developments. So basically what is going on here? is that there's no constitution in Israel. The Supreme Court is battling with the parliament, the Knesset. Uh, the Knesset is trying to pass a law to limit the Supreme Court's power to block Knesset laws. So like, you know, we're in a constitutional crisis here and you have uh, big hotshots in the army saying that they're not going to show up for service, for army service, if this law passes. And then uh, the, the court is threatening to like uh, assert its power and cancel the law. And then you don't know where the tanks are going to be lined up. I don't know if anything's going to happen here, but the shekel is falling against the dollar in a very big way over the last few weeks, and this law probably is going to pass. So 
given that the Bank of Israel has no gold reserves, the shekel could just fall very fast. And uh, if you live in Israel, you probably want your silver uh, soon. Maybe nothing will happen for this. Maybe it'll be resolved. But if it doesn't, you want some real money now. Hope you enjoyed this week's silver report for Arcadia Economics. I'm Rafi, the Endgame Investor. If you enjoyed this, then consider signing up for a two-week free trial of the Endgame Investor. Link in the description below. Or you can sign up to my Patreon at patreon.com slash endgameinvestor for as little as $3 a month to get my biblical commentary on monetary and economic policy topics. Next week, we will be covering the, ho covering the holiday of Purim, which is the silver holiday. And uh, you can find out why uh, there.